0: This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and
1: click Donate Now to become a supporter.
0: Hi, this is Annie Wu. I draw stuff, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Podcast with Joe and Matt.
1: Sort of break it, break it
2: down like good.
0: Broadcasting from the ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, let me turn off my robot voice. It is our pleasure to welcome you to THN episode 264. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, September 7th. My name is Matt Bomb. You can find me at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter, and sitting across from me is the one, the
1: only, the second head of the show. Joe Patrick. I kind of like the robot voice. I think maybe we should give it a try sometime.
0: We can just roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. We do this thing where if you monitor our voices while we record it, we sound sort of like Twiggy from Buck Rogers.
1: <laughs> but do we know whether or not that actually comes across in the recording? No, it doesn't. Oh, dang. <laughs> My name is Joe Patrick. You can find me at Joe Patrick 116 on the Twitter. But usually I tweet from Matt 2 Nerd on the Twitter. Matt hates
0: it. It's true. Deal with it. Nobody knows who it is. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Alters, number one, and Eclipse, number one. After that, we'll make the jump to Warp 1 when we review (laughs) 10 more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where Joe and I will be joined by a visitor from the Q Continuum to discuss what we're excited to read next week and finally, we'll check in with the Orca a week early for his Take the Money and Run segment. But before we boldly go where no podcast has gone before, let's take a moment to blow out all 50 candles on our battle-damaged, enterprise-separated dish cake and wish the entire Star Trek U a happy 50th birthday. Uh, it's called the saucer section, Matt. It's a very detailed cake, so <laughs> <it's on it. laughs> dude. is. got to order
1: this well ahead of time.
0: <laughs> and then we'll talk about this week's big yeah! news! We got big news!
1: I got bad news, Matt.
0: Okay,
1: hit me. Alan Moore has announced his pending retirement from writing comic books. Again! Okay. again the watchman author made the announcement at a press conference for his one million page novel jerusalem through the guardian one million pages that doesn't sound right i don't know anyway he said quote this is alan moore so who knows he says he has quote about 250 pages of comics left before he leaves the industry behind that's a very specific number well he said about okay Moore explained quote I think I have done enough for comics. I've done all that I can. I think if I were to continue to work in comics, inevitably the ideas would suffer. Inevitably you'd start to see me retread old ground. And I think both you and I probably deserve something better than that. I think there's an argument to be made that maybe the ideas have begun
0: to suffer already. Well, yeah, (laughs) you look,
1: I'm not here to bash on the dude. I'm not bashing him. I mean, we do kind of bash on him a little bit sometimes. we both agree he's
0: not the same guy.
1: (laughs) I think that Alan Moore has always been Alan Moore, It's just whether or not we care about what he's writing. His golden years are definitely behind him. That dude has bounced from weird thing to weird thing for his entire career. Yes. I'm just saying the stuff that you and I. You don't like Providence or
0: whatever. Actually, it did like Providence. But the stuff you and I most love about Alan Moore, definitely a long time ago.
1: Well, the work. Okay. I'll, I'll agree to this. Okay. The works that Alan Moore is most famous for did happen a long time ago. Yes. Okay. That doesn't mean he's like lost a step yes. or anything.
0: And I know you loved that weird sex comic with the Disney princesses. Uh, <laughs> you're
1: referring to the lost girls, yes. which I have
0: never read. You were a huge fan, uh,
1: but we did have a list of perverts whenever somebody came into the shop and bought one
0: perverts, like Ora
1: McWilliams. Yes. He's ex- ex- specifically we're, who I was thinking we're naming of naming names on this week's show. More went on to say his final works would quote, probably be very enjoyable. <laughs> Moore listed some of the projects he has remaining, including wrapping up his current Avatar work like Cinema Purgatorio and Providence, as well as one final volume of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with Kevin O'Neill. Moore had some harsh words, however, for the current state of mainstream superhero comics, saying, quote, I'm sure there's probably a very good reason for the hundreds of thousands of adults who are flocking to see the latest adventures of Batman. But I, for one, am a little in the dark for what that reason is. These superhero movies, characters that were invented by Jack Kirby in the 60s or earlier, I have great love for those characters as they were to me when I was a 13-year-old boy. They were brilliantly designed and created characters, but they were for 50 years ago.
0: So, sort of a, I hate you people, you're all idiots, grow up.
1: Well, I mean...
0: (laughs) I love comics, but maybe not these comics. I mean, this is nothing new, right? He, and he now some of it was legitimate. Man, he took it to the level of refusing to be paid for things like Watchmen and stuff like that. So at least the guy is hardcore. At least he stands by what he believes. We think he's a nut sometimes, and yeah. he says some crazy and upsets people. But he stands by his principles. There's something to be said for that.
1: It's true. It's true. And he he kind of closed some things out by saying, "I think this century needs." And deserves its own culture. Sure. It deserves artists that are actually going to attempt to say things that are relevant to the times that we're actually living in, which is a long-winded way of me saying I am really, really sick of Batman. And that's fine. There's an argument there, too. I get that as well. There are... Yes. So this is like the third time Alan Moore has decided to quit comics. He was retiring from mainstream comics in 2004 when he hit age 50. Prior to that, he said that the finale of his America's Best Comics imprint at Wildstorm was going to be his retirement. Will he really... Pull the trigger on leaving comics behind. Hard to say. Will we miss him? Um, yes. But it's a qualified yes. Like I'm going to miss his wacky antics
0: and his ranting and raving and stuff like that. I really do like Providence. It's been excellent. But this is a fault of mine. It's no fault of Alan Moore's. I'm not as interested with the stuff he's been doing recently. And that includes... Even like the last League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which kind of lost me.
1: Right. But unlike, say, say Frank Miller's modern projects, I haven't heard a bunch of people come out and say, oh, these books suck. No, no, they're not terrible by any means. I'm just
0: saying I'm not as interested. Right. And that's maybe that's my fault and your fault. Whatever. Alan Moore is a master. Well,
1: it's nobody's fault With with a career that spans this long. Sure. And a guy like Alan Moore, who is definitely always followed the beat of his own drum. Yeah. You know, it was bound to happen where we'd kind of part ways where he'd say, I'm not interested in writing this stuff anymore. I want to do this thing. And he still has a lot of fans that
0: have stayed with him the whole time and love what he does. Will he be missed? Absolutely. And if he decides to quit, I don't think he will. But if he decides to quit, yeah, we'll miss him. Well,
1: there's something said to be there's something to be said for quitting while you're ahead,
0: which we've relatively. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying he's terrible I'm just saying I, I, Alan Moore is still uh, One of the most popular And most critically acclaimed Writers in comics I agree So there's no qualifier That like mm, I guess He ain't selling comics Like he used to They're That's because he's writing What he wants and Instead of what is Commercially viable yes. Which has been His MO and The entire
0: time He can afford to do that Good for him That's great Alright Joe Joe have I got great news for you. <laughs> According to co-writer and potential director Greg Berlanti, the recently confirmed Booster Gold film will not, not be connected to the DC Extended Universe. Ooh. Further muddying the waters of what the hell is going on in the DC movie and TVU. It's a multiverse, man. Berlanti currently spends his days overseeing all of DC superhero shows on the CW. One we like. One, not so much. In I like it, all of them. Uh, Deal with it. No, you don't. You don't like Arrow. I do. Arrow it sucks. It does suck, but <laughs> I enjoy it. It has grown on me. In an interview with Vulture, Berlanti said, "Quote: As of right now, we have no connected tissue to these worlds. It'd be a separate thing." He goes on to confirm that booster Go- that the Booster Gold movie came out of the ashes of a failed TV show pitch. He and Supergirl showrunner Andrew Kreisberg sold the sci-fi in 2011 that never got off the ground. He attributed DC chief creative officer Jeff Johns to reviving the idea as a movie. I think there's a lot of argument to be made, Joey, that a DC film that is not set in the current DC
1: universe could be a breath of fresh air. Do you care? On the one hand, I say hooray for the Booster Gold movie. I guess. You know, it can be untethered from that grim, yes, dour nonsense. Yes, But. You've got a character like Booster Gold who's known for time traveling throughout the history of the DC universe. Sure. If he's not time traveling through the history of the DC universe, do I care yeah. as much?
0: Or better question, what is he doing?
1: Right. Now, time will tell.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I mean, it could just mean that it won't it be connected to the current narrative, but it's still in the same universe you know what i'm saying going to be another batman
0: and another superman and another flash and like no no
1: no no, no. i mean like uh, like guardians of the galaxy it was in the marvel cinematic universe but it did its own thing sure but it is going to be connected yes but other than uh some kicking the ball down the field with thanos and stuff right it told its own story it didn't stop on earth and meet tony stark no i agree but still it is connected right and
0: I, <laughs> like I, here's my thing I like booster gold as the character you just described. The character that traveled throughout, that has time traveled throughout the DC universe and popped up all over the place. That's part of what makes that character interesting and cool. Right. Why do it a different way? This is
1: what I'm saying. I think it will be connected in the sense that it exists within the same framework, but separate in the sense that it's not worried about dark side coming to earth or superman dying spoilers or batman uh being ben affleck and that sort of thing uh joker with tattoos it's doing its own story in its own corner
0: of the dc universe do you think they have the balls to like introduce some of those characters again what are you talking about elsewhere different versions of those characters
1: oh see i don't think they'll go that far i don't think they'll go that far i i wouldn't be surprised if maybe some other dc characters popped up
0: maybe but wow. But
1: I, I really don't think that within the context of the DC movies, they would introduce yet another version at this point it would be a third version. Right. Because Supergirl's doing it. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying do this
0: in the CW universe and it makes a lot more sense. Oh. And I think that it's more fun with if it. this.
1: If the Booster Gold movie took place in the. CW DC universe. Awesome. I would be thrilled or just do a booster gold TV show
0: in that yeah. universe. That'd be great. Cause you can, you can build on that and do whatever you want. I just, I don't know, man. We'll
1: see. I like on the one hand, I mean, I, I like the idea that it's not going to be bogged down. On the other hand, being connected to DC history is kind of what makes booster gold. Great. Yes. Yes. Uh, but there's not even a release date scheduled for this film. So right, who knows right. if it'll even come I, out? I,
0: and I'm not saying that I want this to be part of Superman versus Batman, Dawn of Murderous Justice. No, I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> I'm just saying maybe don't do it as a whole nother thing. It seems like a bad idea.
1: Yeah. If they did like alternate timeline type stuff, that would be cool. But I don't think mainstream audiences said would flock to it. No
0: connective tissue, quote.
1: He said no connective tissue to those films.
0: That's what I'm saying. Oh, you're saying like full on multiversal. Oh, yeah. God. Ooh.
1: I don't think they will, because I don't think Ugh. I don't think mainstream audiences are going to really be down for, uh, you know, how many conversations we're going to have to have Is about mainstream audience <laughs> going to be down for booster gold, period. <laughs> see, that's I mean, another, like that's that's another great question. Better question. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Back to comics, writer slash Internet shaman Warren Ellis and artist Colleen Doran, are reuniting for a new serialized webcomic at Line Webtoon. <laughs> the series is called Finality and is described as a, quote, heightened crime drama. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't
0: know. It sounds like it's on drugs.
1: This is a heightened podcast drama, in case you were wondering. That's our genre. The 26-part weekly webcomic will feature criminal investigator Felicity Rockall and a young DCIS agent named Amy Ash as they investigate a frightening murder case that is also in quotes for some reason.
0: Well, I guess frightening is you know subjective.
1: <laughs> yeah, to the eye of the <laughs> yeah, in a newsrama story that must have been cut and pasted from a press release, Doran said, "Quote: It's been great to be working with Warren again. Drawing digital comics on the vertical format is a new challenge for me that I am excited to be undertaking with him." And line. Why is only lying in all caps? We're going to get to that. Okay. Ellis added quote. This is what makes me think it is a press release because they go out of their way to say it. Colleen is one of the greatest talents in the art form. It's a rare pleasure, yada, yada, yada. As well to be working in digital first comics again, thanks to Line Webtoon. End quote.
0: You don't think Warren Ellis just talks like that on the regular? Yeah. Like maybe he said that to his bartender?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the creator owned series reteams the duo after their hit 2003 original graphic novel, Orbiter. We loved Orbiter. Orbiter is weird and gross and fun. Uh, There was a planned follow-up called Night Tribes. It never happened. Yep. So this is what I think about this company, Matt. It (laughs) reminds me of a terrible actor that can't memorize their script. Uh, It's such a pleasure to be working with Colleen again for... um, uh,
0: Line. Line. (laughs) Line Webtoons.
1: (laughs) Webtoons. Yeah, I... I just basically wrote this story because I wanted to make that joke. Uh, Warren Ellis writing webcomics is nothing new. Uh, known creators taking to the internet for their original IPs is also nothing new. It's no. happening more and more. No, and it's going to give him even more freedom. But I feel like
0: Warren Ellis has all the freedom he needs.
1: It's true. Monkey Brain and Thrillbin have been around for a while, of course. You've got Vaughn and Martin's panel syndicate. I also read a story this week about the creators of the original Death's Head... Reuniting for a webcomic in a very similar fashion to this. That will excite exactly four people. You like Death Set, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, well, Simon Furman is, is the writer, mm-hmm. the co-creator. He's great. Uh, who is the most prolific Transformers writer in the history of Transformers comics. Really? Because after the American series ended, it went on at Marvel UK for something stupid like 300 issues. Yo,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
1: years and years and years. Yeah.
0: Like the Brits were had no idea they were still <laughs> they were still fighting the Cybertronian wars, right. you know, like, on uh, their remote little island of Great Britain, <laughs> like those Polynesian like Japanese soldiers that didn't know the war ended.
1: <laughs> Any new book from Warren Ellis is worth mentioning. I like Colleen Doran as an artist; she's, she's fantastic. So I think this sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I'm perfectly pleased that they're doing it on their own under their own terms without having to be holding to a publisher right
0: and more war analysis all just good for everybody
1: i'm i will look forward to it with uh, cautious uh, anticipation
0: Yeah, i will forget to read it just like i forget to read all those other digital books that i love <laughs> I
2: so <know>. much <laughs> i want to
1: do better on that
2: <laughs>
0: news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories, everything else we forgot to talk about, you can hit us up in the big news section of the Forgotten THN Forums, which we routinely forget to check and respond to people. I apologize.
1: Yeah, you know, I do my best, but sometimes I just go (laughs) days without the forums. (laughs) The good
0: news is there's a whole stable of nerds there that will scream you down for being wrong, you know? In a good way. I mean, it's a a safe space. in a good way. It's a safe space. Every Sunday giant galactic bounty hunter Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in everyone's favorite digital nerd sanctuary. <laughs> That's, head. That's I head. it. That's yeah. it. I get it. The THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the nerds this week?
1: This week's question comes once again from D. Murray, who I believe... What does this guy do? Does he not have a job? He's gu- he's gunning for <laughs> he Gucci. status. questions of the week. We haven't had a Gucci in a while. D. asks, what is your favorite evil slash top secret spy slash super science organization? In comics Okay Some examples may include Star Labs Sure Argus at DC Hive Aim and shield at Marvel You get the drill Yeah Your favorite group Your your favorite weird They don't have to necessarily be evil Cabal No no not no Okay You know it's evil slash top secret spy Slash super science
0: Got it Yeah Star Labs is not Your favorite clandestine group
1: Yeah more or less You have until 5 p.m. Central Standard Time this coming Friday, September 16th to get us your answer. You can call the Ziggurat Hotline 402-819-4894 and leave us a message.
0: If you're not afraid of outing your secret agent status. Uh,
1: If you're not afraid of getting disavowed by your secret organization, you can send an mp3 to 2 edited nerd at gmail.com whatever you do keep it under two minutes you will get cut off this is not a drill you guys have been real good about it lately though either that or Matt has not been paying attention yeah no you've been doing great if you need more time than that feel free to write your full answer in the question of the week section of the THN web forums that's where all these questions come from yeah that's where these discussions happen yeah yeah and then tune in next Thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN answer of the week podcast oh yeah it's
0: review time in the Ziggurat, where Joe and I take a break from telling racist Ferengi jokes or a deep scan of two of this week's comics. I was going to... It it's
1: okay, because Ferengis themselves are kind of inherently racist.
0: Yeah, they're jerks, man. Who left the barn doors open? Jeez, see <laughs> the ears on that guy? <laughs> Joey, what did your scans come up
1: with? This week, I am reviewing Eclipse Number 1 from Image Comics, written by Zachary Kaplan, with art by Giovanni Tempano. Nice name. Yeah. It's 32 pages for 3.99. Here's your solicit. Imagine if sunlight burned you alive. In the near future, a mysterious solar event has transformed the sun's light into deadly, immolating rays. It say set you on fire. Immolation. The world's fused. Few... Yes, no. <laughs> the world's few survivors now live in nocturnal cities, but a killer emerges who uses sunlight to burn his victims. When he targets the daughter of a solar power mogul, It falls to a disillusioned solar engineer to protect her. I love a good genre mashup. You've got horror comedy, comedy western, western sci-fi, you get it. Eclipse is a sci-fi murder mystery set in a world where the sun is deadly and the remnants of humanity live like rats underground. Calling it sci-fi may even be a bit of a stretch. There's no advanced technology here, no aliens. This is just our world kind of flipped on its head. David Baxter is a disgruntled technician tasked with braving the deadly overworld to keep the cities below running smoothly. He seems like a fairly common stock character for this sort of story. He's a brooding man with a mysterious past. He's sort of a hero, but he doesn't like to talk about it. He's just trying to live day to day. When his crew stumbles upon a dead body and a cryptic message written in blood, Baxter is drawn into the mystery. Thrillers that feature the environment itself as a potential killer are also nothing new Danny Boyle's Sunshine, which is an amazing movie. Oh, love it. Matt Kent's Department H. Love that too. And Greg Rucca and Steve Lieber's *Whiteout* Out are just a few, but it's a compelling element that can really ratchet up the tension in a story like this. Kaplan and Timpano do a great job keeping the danger of daylight front and center while Baxter and his crew try to hunt down leads. Suddenly there's an amazing sequence where the killer weaponizes the sun's rays and turns them against his pursuers. I really enjoyed the story and the world that it establishes. The characters do all seem kind of standard fair. We're not really given too much to latch onto besides what's written on their packaging, so to speak. Like you hold it up and it says, like a G.I. Joe character, yeah. it says infantry. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, you're like brooding hero guy. <laughs> you're right. And
0: smarmy corporate cop guy. Yeah, right. You know? like-
1: <laughs> but I found it to be really well told. So while I wasn't super invested in the individual characters themselves, at least not yet, I was invested in the mystery that started to unfold. And that is thanks in no small part to the gorgeous artwork by Giovanni Timpano and colorist Betsy Gonia. They were able to convey how bleak, desolate, and dangerous the above-ground world is and how claustrophobic and desperate it is underground, Timpano's line art is packed with an almost Darrow-esque level of detail.
0: I thought Jeff Darrow a lot while we looked at this.
1: And then there's that brief action sequence that I mentioned before and a killer last page. I thought this issue was gorgeous. And even the lettering by Troy Pateri stood out to me uh, thanks to something as simple as choosing a different font. Like the letters look slightly different than what you see in normal comics. Kind
0: of reminded me of British comics from the 90s.
1: It reminded me uh, specifically of a letterer named Bob LaPan who lettered most of the 80s Justice League comics, the Keith Giffen and okay. Mateus yeah. Justice League comics, his lettering was so unique, and this sort of was reminiscent of that.
0: Yeah, I remember that lettering standing out. Yeah,
1: I didn't know what to expect from this creative team of unknowns, but I was very pleasantly surprised with their impressive work on this issue. I'm definitely on board for this one. I'm giving it a buy it.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well, and honestly, I didn't mind those sort of cliche characters, because this Neither is a I. very... It's a very big premise and giving you some cliche character that to grab onto a little bit almost makes you feel you
1: can relate right to what to, a little yeah. more welcome in this right. world. And it's also a large cast.
0: And I really liked look, what you said, Timpano, the way that like he made New York look just desolate and creepy while the sun is so bright that there's like no shadows, you know, like, yeah, right. And where there are and when there are shadows, they're pitch black. Right, You know, it worked really, really well. Sort of like the opposite of a horror story, if you will. And I was really drawn into this. I didn't expect much from it. I loved it. I'm giving this a buy it.
1: Like, I can't say enough about the, it's only a two or three
0: page sequence towards the end. Yeah, it was cool. Very much reminded me of like John Cassidy action scene.
1: Uh, the art, yes. And I just mean like the, I just thought it was a really clever sequence how the killer yeah drew them out of safety really good last page too yeah oh man i enjoyed really this last page didn't know what i was getting into really liked it so matt we got kind of a hot button topic here to talk
0: they're about. all hot buttons these days let me tell you <laughs> kids have too many feelings
1: this week i decide to review
0: alters number one from aftershock written by paul jenkins with art by Layla lee's That or Layla les. (laughs) 32 (laughs) pages. So what if it is? 32 pages for $3.99. I'm not going to get into the politics behind this comic, but I will say, when your solicitation begins with, from a diverse team of creators composed of differing genders, gender identities, ethnic backgrounds, and sexual orientations, comes a groundbreaking new series featuring the world's first transgender superhero. It sure can come off as Pandering.
1: I've been, it just sounds like you can't be mad at us, okay? Okay, guys? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I take it more as like uh, they're trying to commodify it. Yeah, yeah, is. We'll get there.
0: A whole different despicable thing. I've been reading Paul Jenkins' comics for more than 15 years now, and honestly, I haven't loved a lot of his output for a while. Here he's got a clever idea centered around a character dealing with real world gender issues and a superhero backdrop. Jenkins introduces us to a world where superpowered beings are relatively new and still very mysterious and sometimes deadly to the public. Some of these new alters, as they're referred to in the media, have used their powers for good, others evil, and yet others just flew into space on accident or instantly exploded. It's no secret that the main character is transgendered, as the solicit and the variant covers so blatantly gave it away. But the idea of a young suburban team hiding his hero identity as a woman while transitioning from male to female. Pretty interesting. At least, I don't ever recall reading anything like it. Jenkins does a good enough job fleshing out the world around the main character who hasn't revealed to her parents that she's transitioning and lives as a normal guy going to baseball games and trying to fit in with office friends. It's only when Charlie becomes Chalice, a female alter on the side of good, does she truly feel herself. Now, there's always going to be criticism when marketing a comic dealing with any sexual or gender issues, and I totally get it. But all in all, this was a compelling superhero story with a believable main character dealing with several different levels of change and alienation. The art by Layla Lees and colors by Tamra Bonvillain were excellent and had some really great action scenes and pacing that never got bogged down in setup. There was a lot that was thrown at you in this first issue, and it really never halted. There's been a lot of criticism with Chalice's costume. I thought it was fine, personally. And... Honestly, I can see how maybe a young woman that feels trapped in a man's body might overcompensate a little when they put on a costume.
1: What do you mean? What's what's the criticism? Oh, that it the, was too sexy. The skirt is too short, and I can't believe they put it. You know, like I didn't, I didn't. Like, Give me a break. And I didn't find it at all risque no,
0: in any way. No, it was ridiculous. But, the problem lies with plastering transgender symbols and trumpeting things like the world's first transgender hero. It does seem a little on the nose, as I like to say. And honestly, wouldn't this title have been even better if the fact that Charlie was chalice was a secret? Maybe we don't even find out that chalice is transgendered until issue four. It just seems like it would have come off so much more effective and probably more altruistic.
1: I think that they're in kind of an impossible position. Absolutely. Where they need to market the book. Right. They want to show that they're making an effort at representation. Well, which is good, which is good. They need to market the book. There's a better way to do it. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm saying I kind of understand I I don't approve. I can sympathize with the position they were in uh, in terms of marketing the book. Right. And you can tell you
0: do. You can tell by looking at reviews online. People either gave this a really good review, like 90 or above or a zero. So it's like this is an impossible situation. It's
1: complicated. Yes. Yeah. You're
0: you're going to upset someone no matter what. Right. I read one review where a person like lost their mind about The, uh, the outfit she was wearing and the fact that she named herself chalice, which everyone knows is a metaphor for a female vagina. Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. I was like, okay. You know, like, (laughs) so it really is an impossible situation to be in. I really think though, that this story would have been better had they not marketed it this way. And we found out what the story was, even if it's on the last page and people go, oh crap. Like, that's what's happening in this book? That's really cool.
1: There are very few stories that are not improved by not spoiling things before. But I'm also saying it might
0: seem like you're not trying
1: to make the
0: fact that this is a transgender character a selling point. Yes. And that's that's where things get dicey. And I honestly think that would have been better for the reviews, too. I like this comic. I like the idea and the story. But like I was saying, I think Aftershock could have handled the marketing better and probably had a real home run here. It just seems like they were almost too careful in throwing it out there. Like we don't want to shock anybody, but this is what's going on and we swear it's all in good faith and it's written by all these people that are sort of like that, right? I mean like come on guys. Oh, see, just tell and, a story.
1: And to me that didn't that doesn't come off to me as them like throwing their hands up and saying, "Hey, are we good? Are we good?" To me it's them saying Look at what we're doing. I think it was a bit of both. Look at how progressive we are.
0: Yeah, I think it's a bit of both.
1: Um, I'm giving this a
0: qualified buy it, because it was a good comic, and I it was well-drawn, and the character was interesting, and I'm going to read more of this story. I feel like it fell down in marketing. It doesn't matter who you are. We should all be able to have a dialogue. All of us. Yes. And the yeah. second we go, no, we can't talk about that, and we can't touch her, you're not quite
1: like, that's when gets messy. Right, but nobody's saying, don't talk about it. They're saying, hey- no, I'm not this saying is, don't talk about it. I'm this thinking, is my problem with the way you're you're handling this, and yes, that is a conversation.
0: That's that is had. a conversation. But when we start saying you're not allowed to talk about it, that's not okay. That is then we're closing <sighs> doors, and then I
1: don't I don't think that their points are exactly what you're talking about. But I'm we, not saying everyone. No, I know, but it, it's a it's a lot of different reasons why uh, some people are up in arms about it, and it's sure. not just like a how dare this definite male person write about my struggle, right? It's, you know, maybe that's not your story to tell. And maybe there's a different way this character could be featured.
0: Probably. But then it comes down to, well, I I guess somebody else should have come up with the idea. Whose fault is that? Like, should Paul Jenkins have been like, well, I've got this great idea, but I can't write it. Yeah. Like, that's a whole nother argument There's a that I just think is invalid. Right, If you can do it, you do it. Fiction writers do this every day, all the time. They're writing characters that they know nothing about. And they have to make yes, it believable, right? <laughs> you
1: know? And and in my in my estimation, it seems like Jenkins and crew, yeah, I think it
0: went about it in a positive way. Yeah, I, I think they did a fine job, and I'm giving it a buy. It.
1: Me too. I
2: can't.
0: So that is a double buy-it for Eclipse number one and a double buy-it for Alters number one. Now, now it's time for you fireproof murderers and brand new super ladies to play Critic. So head over to the THN forums at THNforums.Boards.net and tell us just how wrong we got our
1: reviews of these comics. But listen to one and another. That's the most important thing. Yeah. It's Star Trek's 50th birthday, so Matt and I decided it was time to test our Warp Rocket with some plans we borrowed from Reddit user ZephramCockRamDoobie1211. Wow. If it works, we'll be the first two brave humans to prove to the greater alien universe that we're ready to join the Federation. Matt, make sure the coolant levels are stable. Please, seal the hatch! (laughs) And we've got ignition! Matt, hold on tight. And while we escape the Earth's atmosphere, let's review 10 more of this week's comics during the... Crispy RAW! Crispy!
0: Go! Skyborn, number one from Boom! Frank Show hits readers with an unexpected story of three super siblings with steel skin and super strength on a quest for the one and only sword Excalibur. Unlike some of the other solicits we discussed, (laughs) this one didn't exactly let me know what I was getting into. We only meet Sister Skyborne as she kills the hell out of people with their bare hands in very gory fashion. Cho fights the urge to tear anyone's clothes off and draws a very impressive super spiced tale with a couple of dialogue quirks here and there. I didn't need the main character calling dudes Mitches. It's like a man bitch. That's not a
1: thing. No, no that's but not a thing. I'm giving it a bite. Definitely not a thing. Yeah. Rise of the Black Flame, number one from Dark Horse. I love the verse and I am always happy to find places to jump back in after I inevitably lose track of the various series. This is a prequel story exploring the origins of the Black Flame, a force that's empowered several villains from the BPRD's past. As much as I enjoyed it as a longtime reader, and despite some strong work from Mike Mignola, Chris Robertson, and Christopher Mitten, this book isn't going to mean anything to anyone that isn't already a fan. It's good. But as Keith Silva likes to say It's not for everyone Rise of the Black Flame Number one gets a skimmit I loved it I'm going to buy it But I'm well, a big fan Right but like There's no reason why Anybody that's not a fan Should buy this comic. I mean you could say that For any of the PRD stuff But I mean it's, it's a number It's a number one like, I, know, I know You're going to look at it On the rack as a non-fan And go ooh that looks interesting And be totally fucking lost Maybe
0: Aftermath
1: Big clean number one from Heavy Metal.
0: The Mullen Brothers are two lunatics whose art is part Sam Keith and part Robert Williams. I guess this was the story of a future society called Walden, dominated by twisted versions of cartoon characters. Sort of a post-apocalyptic Disney community where you have to ride a roller coaster through an animatronic history lesson in which you may be killed, or something. Hmm. The Mullen Bros' art is truly something to behold. They pack each page with painted detail, I had almost no clue what was going on or how this is going to be an ongoing series. I'm giving you a skim it because they're truly talented artists.
1: Cyborg Rebirth, number one from DC. I am sorry to say that I lost track of the previous Cyborg series by David Walker and Ivan Rice. That is a theme that continues to pop up in THN. I liked it, but I lost track of it. But here we are again with new creators, John Semper and Paul Pelletier. I always call him Pelletier. Pelletier, Who I always love. He's great. The story gives us a rehash of Cyborg's origin and really the origin of his whole family interspersed with scenes from a modern day battle at Star Labs. It has an almost throwback style in the way that the story is paced and the dialogue is written. It looks great. Plus, this is one of the better rebirth specials in the sense that it actually feels like a prologue rather than a misnumbered first issue.
0: Okay, I totally agree with you there.
1: But Semper is taking the story in a direction that I don't think I'm going to like. Yeah. Trying to give Vic Stone a kind of Swamp Thing anatomy lesson moment. But the question of whether or not Cyborg is still or ever was human isn't what interests me about his character. It's the idea that Vic Stone clings to his humanity and his soul despite all the terrible things that happened to him. That's what makes Cyborg great. I feel like they're gonna get there. They have to get there, right? I hope so. The story may yet surprise me, But my initial reaction was skeptical. Cyborg Rebirth gets a skim in for now. And also,
0: I bet this is going to be very in line with the movie.
1: My continuity senses were going off like crazy because in the narration, it said that Cyborg has been Cyborg for five years. But if the first arc of the New 52 Justice League took place five years before, does that mean no time passed during the entire length of the New 52 is what I'm getting at?
0: Oh, I don't. No. <laughs>
1: right? I mean, again, probably. Real. Come on, DC. Not the right thing to dwell on, right, but right. the continuity wonking me. Went, Wait a minute. <laughs> Great Divide, number one from Dynamite. It seems to be a week for
0: post environmental apocalypse comics, and Great Divide delivers. In this hopeless near future, humanity has been forced to stop touching each other as the slightest skin to skin contact could result in screaming bloody death. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What's let the society wander through artist Adam Makowitz's well-rendered wasteland and Ben Fisher sets up an interesting scoundrel as a main character. Good art, clever story, and screaming bloody death. Great Divide has it all. I'm giving it a buy. It's
1: three of my favorite things. Screaming bloody death. Superman number six from DC. It only just occurred to me reading this comic yesterday that Pete Tomasi and Patrick Gleason did an amazing job with the hero father and son dynamic in Batman and Robin. It was wonderful. Now here they are again with Superman and his son, John. I mean, obviously I knew I loved that run of Batman and Robin, but it just didn't occur to me that it was the same thing with different kids. Yeah, yeah. It's our kids. This is the finale of the first post-rebirth storyline featuring the return of the Superman from a previous version of the DCU. I won't go into my tired spiel about how much I hated the New 52 version, but... The ending of this story hit me right in the old tear ducts. Oh, More than once. You big selfie. There's a great moment with crypto. And there's another great <laughs> moment do at love the end. Moments. There's another great moment at the end where it's revealed to the world that Superman is back. And he's standing on the moon with his hands on his hips and the flag in the background. And it's very reminiscent of that classic golden age cover. Oh, okay. Oh, and it's like, oh my god, like my whole <laughs> body started to tremble. <laughs> This is a great creative team delivering great work, and this issue establishes without a doubt that Superman is back. Not the pre-new 52 Superman or the replacement Superman or some weird doppelganger, but Superman, period. Buy it. Knight's Dominion, number one from Oni. Ted Nafee writes and draws the
0: best Dungeons & Dragons team book I have read in years. In the ancient city of Umber, which has a Sumerian feel, five shifty adventurers with special abilities are planning on robbing the treasure-packed tower of Oom, Nathy's art is beautiful. And even though we're assaulted with characters in every page, I never felt lost. He gives us just enough history for two of the characters to pull the reader into the story while fleshing out the dark fantasy world. I have a feeling he's going to do that with each of the members of this team. I loved Knight nice Dominion. I'm giving this a huge buy it. Ever After, number one from Vertigo.
1: In a post-fables world where magic abounds, it can be wielded for the greater good or used to plant the seeds of anarchy and terrorism. This follow-up series focuses on the Shadow Players, a group of top-secret Fable agents that stayed behind in the Monday world to clean up the mess left behind in the wake of the Fables series finale. Whoa. Yeah. Writers Matthew Sturges and Dave Justice and artist Travis Moore are no strangers to the world of Fables. They did the adaptation of the uh, the Telltale Games Story, the oh, little, yeah, yeah. Among us. That's right. And they do a great job with this first issue. I love the concept. I love this new twist on the Fables world, and I think there's plenty to enjoy here. For new and old fans alike, that's important. If you didn't read the old Fables, you'll still find plenty to like here. Cool. Ever actor gets a buy-it. Glitter Bomb, number one from Image.
0: Jim Zub takes a break from writing his usual D&D fantasy to tell the story of Farah Durante, a middle-aged actress struggling to stay relevant in Hollywood. And then turns into a murderous monster that shoots talon tentacles out of her face.
1: <laughs> yeah, like this, they do.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a slice of life story. Hollywood, this, am I right? This was perfectly well written and K. Michael Russell's art was great. The story just never grabbed me other than to say,
1: oh, so that's what happened. <laughs> I'll give it a skim it. <laughs> Dishonored number two from Titan. I am a big fan of the game upon which this is based, but video game tie-in comics are almost always dicey.
0: Unlike the movies, which always nail it.
1: Right. This one, though, is surprisingly solid. There's a fun story about a kingdom's protector training his own successor and the different ways that they operate with moody art by Andrea Olimpieri. My biggest complaint is that the series hasn't really delved into the background or abilities of Corvo, who's the main character, or the cool alternate history of the game's setting. If you aren't familiar with the game, you may just think it's a garden variety period piece set in some sort of coastal European town. And you'll suddenly wonder why Corvo is teleporting and slowing down time. Still, Dishonored is one of the better video game tie-ins out there. I'm giving it a strong skimmit. Titans are really good at this. They're really good at this stuff. Yeah. that is your ludicrous speed round and schlunk is your onomatopoeia of the week and the sound of Farah's tentacles punching through a homeless guy's head as seen in the pages of glitter bomb number one i hope she washed them afterwards too. ew if you want even more reviews of this week's comics head over to 2 nerd.com and check out the soon to be homeless aaron myers ludicrous speed reviews they're going through a home remodel right now they got new floors and everything it's uh, looking
0: good i think that's just a cover story <laughs> sad gonna build a fort out of long boxes and crawl it
1: <laughs> you can pick up these and all of the rest of this week's new comics through our new amazon link right now it's in the show notes for the last two episodes they were dumb enough to give us an affiliate button yeah suckers we don't have a button set up yet but you can go to the show notes and there's a link that says click here to shop yeah through amazon it's the exact Exact same shopping experience. It doesn't cost you any extra. Nope. And whatever you buy, we get a tiny chunk out of Jeff Bezos' pocket.
0: Whether it's comics, graphic
1: novels, toothpaste, whatever. Washers and dryers. Yeah, I mean, the bigger the better, really. You know? <laughs> it's a great way to get your funny books and support this show.
0: This week in the Sanctum Sanctorum, we are joined by Star Trek's version of The Beyonder. Q, who stopped by to use his unlimited powers over time and space to reach into next Wednesday to give us a peek at next week's comics. Joe, I can't believe he's dressed exactly like the Beyonder. Maybe this is just an interspatial <laughs> godlike thing. It's what he does. The
1: white double-breasted suit. Joey, what are you excited to read next week? I mean, the odd thing is the jerry curl. Yeah. I mean, we kind of left that behind, yeah. didn't we? My pick for next week is Animosity Number 2 from Aftershock Comics, written by Marguerite Bennett with art by Rafael De La Torre. It's 32 pages for three ninety-nine.
0: It's sort of like that zoo TV show, if that zoo TV show was any good at all.
1: <laughs> Here is the solicit. One year after the wake, all animals have gained the powers of thought and speech and the ability to take revenge. I wish they all ran
0: around like saying the human onomatopoeia of what they sound like. Bark! 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 <laughs>
1: roar! <laughs> tweet, tweet, tweet! <laughs> They're speaking English! New York City erupts as a battleground between the... God, this solicit is very poorly edited. It really is. New York City erupts as a battleground between what remains <laughs> of the U.S. government and the rise of the ferocious new and the military who seek to carve out a peaceful homeland of their own. Caught in the middle is a bloodhound and his 10-year-old adopted human daughter... Weird. Desperate to escape the conflict and find a haven at last.
0: That's exactly where it goes when you allow marriage for everybody. Yeah, yep. There you go. Oh,
1: boy. (laughs) Uh, So I chose animosity number two, which is not normally our MO. We try to... But we missed number one. Right. Uh, I missed number one And I heard all this buzz about animosity. It's like, you got to read animosity. It came out during our hiatus. Yes. I didn't even realize it had hit stands. It did. Uh, And so, yeah, animosity number two. I'm excited to get on board and get caught up and see what all the hubbub is about. My pick
0: for next week is Doom Patrol. Number one from D.C. And
1: mainly because Matt stole my pick.
0: Written by Gerard Way with art by Nick Darrington. 32 pages for $3.99. I'm just going to read this solicit for you and we'll live through it together. The atoms are buzzing. The daydreams crowd sentient streets. And the creative team has been warned. Turn back now or suffer the mighty consequences of sheer psychomaniacal mayhem. Generation arsonists unite. This is Doom Patrol. And the god of the superheroes is bleeding on the floor. I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> A blenderized reimagining of the ultimate series of the strange patrol combines elements from classic runs new directions and things that could not be our entry point is casey brink a young emt on the graveyard shift to abstract enlightenment with a past so odd that she's not entirely sure what is real and what is not along with her partner sam reynolds the pair blaze a path through the city and its denizens finding the only quiet that exists at 3 a.m is the chaos of the brain what the I don't know. When the pair answer a hit and run call, they find themselves face to face with a familiar figure: Cliff Steele, aka Robot Man. Gets weirder from here.
2: Uh, You're not really gonna read. You're
0: not really gonna read this whole thing, are you? No, I have to now. Writer Gerard Way had to say about the book: With artist Nick Darrington gripping tightly on the wheel of the ambulance, the pair's only communication shouting out of the open windows while at high velocity. Who needs a new roommate? Who names a cat Lotion? And when do we get <laughs> to see all those muscles? Oh, find your answers inside the pages of this comic book as we set the stage for new beginnings, as well as reintroduction of some classic Doom Patrol characters, including Niles Calder, the Negative Man, Flex Mentalo, who was not a Doom Patrol character. Yes, he was. Not really. Yes, he Crazy was. Jane The debut of the titles of DC's young animal line kicks off with a removable sticker on its cover, pull back the gyro to reveal its secrets and ruin the value of the comic. But be warned, there is no turning back like that. I I have had conversations with meth addicts that were smoother than that
1: solicit. Holy. (laughs) So DC (laughs) came to kept calling Gerard way and like Gerard, we need your solicit for Doom Patrol number one. The previews have got to go out, Gerard. Yes. And he's like, okay, 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 I got it. And he got as high as f-ing possible. Oh, yeah, you can tell. Of course, Flex Mentallo was a Doom Patrol character. He was created in the pages of Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. I know, but he was never a team member.
0: He's a character in the book. I know, I know. Yeah, damn lunatic. I know.
1: I, it's just whatever.
0: There's other Doom Patrol characters I would have liked to have seen.
1: That's all I'm saying. Well, maybe they'll be in here. Maybe. But right now, it's Flex Mentillo. So, yeah, this is the debut of Young Animal, the much ballyhooed division of dc that is for some reason not part of vertigo i'm excited we have a we already have a copy i have to
0: see what the happens it's in the the... it's
1: we have a copy i know through our shady retail connections joey what's the trade of the week for next week it's not shady they sent it to us yeah there's nothing shady about it nobody yelled at us we got it legally yeah so just to bring us back down (laughs) to soul crushing reality i feel like i got high
0: you know (laughs)
1: The trade of the week goes to the Nicholas hardcover graphic novel from Drawn and Quarterly, written and illustrated by Pascal Girard. It's 112 pages for $14.99. That's a steal. Oh, yeah. No, that's amazing. That's an amazing <laughs> deal. You can't get a deal like that at McDonald's. Here's the solicit. Burdened with grief, confusion, and anger, Pascal Gerard explores the childhood passing of his five-year-old brother from his memories as a nine-year-old struggling to understand, up until present day, 25 years after The Shattering Loss. Originally published 10 years ago, this edition includes new comics and an introduction that contemplate the larger effect of Nicholas's death on his current behaviors and habits, Nicholas is a delicate minimalist portrait of the many faces of mourning, identified with surprising humor and pathos
0: a little heavier than what we're going to do
1: by an artist who knows them <laughs> intimately. First of all, uh, drawn and quarterly is a great publisher that puts out some amazing stuff, amazing work. Uh, the cover art, uh, this like almost childlike watercolor art of Pascal and his brother, uh, really stood out to me. Um, Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to be a feel-good read, but I think it will be... (laughs) No, I don't think it will. (laughs) I think it will be a really good read, and it looks like a great project.
0: Now, head over to 200nerd.com where you can pre-order these comics if you don't know any, you know, universal time and space-bending beings like we do. I get it. Or you don't have your own local comic book store. Or you don't have your own local comic book store. Check out our notes where you can find our little Amazon button. And, like I said, pick these up Help the show the next time. Hey, Q, thanks for stopping by and helping us out. I'll I'll be real honest. We've been running a little low on ways to, you know, peer into the future of next week's comics.
1: That was a difficult admission. Another man would have been humiliated to say those words. Another man would have rather died than ask for help.
0: Oh, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't think it was that big of a deal. We didn't, like, screw up the space time continuum or anything did we if you can't take a little bloody nose maybe you ought to go back home and crawl under your
1: bed it's not safe out here it's wondrous with treasures to satiate desires both subtle and gross
0: okay yeah well that sounds weird we really just want to talk about some comics so um
1: thanks and we'll see you later Joe, get me out of here Energized by the beginning of college football season up there in Maine. I hear they still wear the old leather pads without face masks and newfies aren't even welcome in the stands. Man, I don't know what that means, but it sounds racist, Newfoundlanders. And excited Orca joins us a week early to tell you nerds how to make some cash on your comics in a segment we call Take the Money and Run.
2: Hello, nerds. Orca here doing a stand-in week early episode of Take the Money and Run. Jack Kirby was supposed to do an interview with the boys, but it turns out he was dead. Bummer. Maybe next week. Good news is you get me. This is an upside and downside to every schwartz, huh? Joseph called, texted, begged, and pleaded. I asked for naked pictures of his honeymoon. I won't tell you what I saw out of respect for the chimpanzee but it was good enough to get me a come in from clam digging and give a quick market report. Get your pens and your paper ready, because I'm going to tell you what to sell to get some fast cash for your funny books. First up, Venom number 38. Not the current Space Knight volume, but the previous one, where he was like a mashup of Spider-Man, James Bond, and a hockey goalie. Issue 38 is the first appearance of Mania, a new female Venom. Guess what though, nerds? She ain't the first. She's like the fourth. There was She-Venom. I think that was Eddie Brock's pocket or something. Then there was the chick that took the symbiote from her. Then there was Scream, remember her? Now this one. Who'll come and go too? But the comic is selling for like $40. Sell now while you can. Take the money and run. Okay, next up. Bob wants to play Squirrel Girl. Well, the can likes them thick, but not ugly. Sorry, Bob. Sell Marvel superheroes Winter Special if you haven't already. The idea of a movie or show pumped this one up again. Maria's second chance to take the money and run on a book that was hard a couple years ago. Don't miss that train again. One sold for one hundred and fourteen dollars and seventy-two cents this week, so you better hurry. Baby, back, back, back. Sticking with that theme, old Nutmuncha is supposed to be sharing her show with the New Warriors. Sell Thor four eleven while you're at it. One just went for fifty dollars on a BIN. Let's buy it now for the unedmacated. It was a raw copy that showed very well, but even fine copies are getting 15. That's a hand job in most seedy neighborhoods. And I'd rather have one of those than the first appearance of a troop of C list characters. Even if the show gets made, it won't. And if it's cool, it ain't. I'm not going to read that issue of Thor again, are you? Take the money and run. Now, Deathstroke might be in Benefer's Batman movie, or he might not, but nerds are all about the nursing home version of Deadpool. This means sell new Teen Titans number two, Tales of the Teen Titans number 44, ah, f*** it, sell all your Deathstroke comics and take what you can get. In his defense, I suppose it makes sense for the Ben Affleck version of Batman to fight a white-haired villain two AARP douchebags might make for a fair fight till someone breaks a pelvis. I did like what Ben said on any given Wednesday, though. Tom Brady walks on water, and anyone who disagrees with me or anyone south of Hartford can go s*** in their hat. Speaking of breaking a pelvis, I'd volunteer to shatter mine on top of Sophia, the female protagonist in Tom King's Sheriff of Babylon. Something about facial scars gets that walker hot. This was a fantastic read and might be getting made into a show, so number one is going for $25. bucks. i have got issues one through nine listed right now. I've got a bid for $50 with a few days left. I'll let you know how it turns out. Till then, kiss, kiss, nerds. And remember, when suckers want to give you real money for old comics, take the money and run
1: sort of break it break
0: it down like this that is it for THN episode 264 if you like podcasts that have an endless supply of racist Newfie and Ferengi jokes you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app Casey's mom is a Newfie you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and while you're there leave us your star ratings reviews thumbs up hearts it helps to get us in front of other listeners in the search analytics and it's the only way we will find new potential listeners.
1: Thank you to all of our donors. And if you, like us, subscribe to the philosophy of the rules of acquisition and want to help us afford our sexy earwax, yeah. <laughs> oh. they always had
0: really shiny, gross looking ears. Yeah. Uh, it looked like they were like, did like you know, these know that donuts.
1: Ferengi ears are their erogenous zones. Yes, I did know that. So every time they show a character stroking a Ferengi's earlobe, yeah, it, it is buddy. a sex act.
0: Don't take me there, okay? <laughs>
1: You can support the show by clicking the PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com, and to become a sustaining member, simply click the button that says, Make This Donation Monthly. When you donate, it's a little box with a checkmark. Remember, as little as a buck a month really does help. If you're one of those poor little bastards that doesn't have a local comic shop, you can shop for all of your funny books through our Amazon link at TwoHeadedNerd.com. We've said it four times during this show already, because it's important. It's good for you. It's good for everybody. You go to the show notes. It'll say right here, click here to support THN by shopping at Amazon or something to that effect.
0: you need deodorant, I know for a fact you've been stinky lately.
1: And we will get a little kickback from that and everybody wins. You get your deodorant, Bezos gets his money, and we get a taste. There you go.
0: Not of your deodorant.
1: No, that would be gross. <laughs> if you want to yell at us personally, head over to
0: 2 You can find links to all of our contact info. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We put the outtake of the week on Tumblr. And more importantly, you will find the Ziggurat Hotline 4028194894. Use it! To answer the question of the week, to ask us what you should be reading, to be a part of this show. Not just the, just the answer of the week. This damn show.
1: If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile.
0: Before we go, a weekly shout-out goes to our brothers, Sean, Jeremy, and Craig from the Signed In Podcast, who celebrate their eighth anniversary. We thought we've been doing this for too long. Word to you guys. Here's hoping for another eight and that Joe and I are right there behind you. I will strike you down dead long before we get to that We'll never be as old as them. We'll never be your age, old man, signed in podcast. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just hold your pull file hostage for the next eight years. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off.